I guess I discovered a few years ago that um, I love this time of year. I love this week. And it's probably, uh, it might be my favorite time of the year because the traffic is lighter and the fireworks are brighter uh, right here in the city. And so if your Christmas is right here in Ciudad uh, Guatemala, then uh, you are in the right place, uh, I think. And I, I definitely enjoy it. Um, it's been a, uh, I could see people leaving the area yesterday with their cars loaded up and going off and fighting the traffic as they went to different parts of Guatemala and, and I was just so grateful to be right here and right here with you. This morning I want to, I, I got to ask you some questions and so to set that up this morning um, I need to share a story with you because um, I want you to be able to take an honest look today at you and answer some questions about you. And in order for you to do that, um, I, I, I need to just uh, have you be honest with yourself this morning. And, that's, uh, and when we conclude this message time today, we're going to be sharing in communion today. And so um, that's another great time to be open and honest uh, um, before God and before each other. And so this is open for all. I know some of you are here for the first time today. And uh, we welcome you. We want you to be able to participate in communion. And so I'm just uh, preempt that even now. But I was thinking a time uh, in my life when I was not in tune with and I was oblivious to uh, reality and what was going on in my life in a natural sense, not so much a spiritual sense. But um, I grew up in a, in a rural county setting and my mother, her job was uh, she, she cut hair. She had uh, a lot of clients, and she had her own little shop out in the country, her and my, my aunt. And, and so they, um, they stayed very busy. They worked some long days, and um, they had a lot of older clientele. And, uh, and I tried to work my way in. And, you know, sometimes it just didn't work out. I, I couldn't get an appointment because uh, mom's uh, schedule was pretty full. And so I'd have to wait till she, till she came home in the evening, sometimes after a 12-hour day. And I'd say, Mom, you know, look, I need a haircut. And she'd, oh, okay, let me, uh, let me find my scissors. And, and so she would uh, go to work. And, um, but I got where as I got a little older and I got a little more hair conscious. And I, um, I discovered that I, I felt like that my mother gave me the crumbs, you know. Uh, I wasn't getting her best stuff because I couldn't get in there during the day. And she didn't charge me, so uh, she just did whatever. And, and uh, I, I ran across a school picture recently, and I, I used to have some hair. It came down over my ears even. And in that school photo, my hair was at least a half inch higher on one side. And so I did catch mom on a bad day. And as I got a little older, and I was you know, around 16, and I was, had an interest in ladies, uh, young ladies, and so I was um, conscious of my hair, and I, I finally got to the point, because in, in those days, this is early 80s, around 1980 or so, and the hairstyle at that time was a kind of part in the middle, and they call feather, so they would feather the bangs around the side, and can you imagine that? And so um, I became convinced that my mother was not giving me her best stuff, and so I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to Fran, and Fran was a friend of my mother, but she was in the city. And so a lot of my friends, because I went to the city school, they would go to Fran. 
And friends, people, her, their hair looked good. I had friends, I mean, they had the feather thing going and it, it looked good. And I, I thought, I just got to go to Fran and she's going to fix it and make it right because my mom just could not get it right for me. And so I go to Fran and I sit down in her chair and she, she began to look at me and she said, okay, what, what would you like me to do today? And I said, well, I, I want what you do for, for Tony and for Ron and all my buddies. I, I want, she said, oh, you want me to do that feather thing. I, I said, yeah, I do that. And, and so um, she, she went to work and did her thing and she got done and, and she flipped, you know, they, they flip around the chair and you look in the mirror and it looked just like when my mother did it. <laughs> and she said, what, what do you think? I said, well, you know, I, 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 it doesn't look like uh, Tony and Ron and, and Daryl. It doesn't look like their hair. And, um, she, uh, she took a breath. I, I was trying to remember how this all went down, but she, just, she was a sweet lady, and just very gently, she just said, you know, um, they've got a little bit more hair than you do. <laughs> Ouch. I mean, I'm 16, people. I, I'm sensitive. This is a sensitive age. And I, but she, she got me. It was ouch. Uh, but she was telling the truth. She was giving me a... She was being as graceful as she could, but she was also telling me a great truth. And, and it was kind of a wake-up moment for me. I, I looked around, and I looked at every male on both sides of the family, and there was just nowhere to hide. I mean, they all look like I do now. <laughs> and, and I realized that as, as my mother and his friend began to part my hair and feather my hair, it wasn't exactly what everybody else's was because they were taking the feather to hide the bald spots that were already there at age 16. And so Fran did me a favor that day. She, she gave me a wake-up call, and you know, I, I went on to fix it a little bit. I put a, a body perm in there, and it filled it in a little bit, and that's how we went on for a couple years until I shaved it all, and been pretty much like this ever since. But that was a wake-up call for me, you know, and, and sometimes you have to be able to hear the hard stuff and hear the hard news and take a hard look at yourself. And that's where I hope that we'll all go together this morning in this last message of, of Christmas today. I want to give you, to begin with, and we've been talking about grace and truth and, and uh, how it, it is the solution for just about everything. And I, I want to give you a list this morning. Can we uh, pop that list up there, please? This is a group, and this is what I want you to think about a group that is lying, cheating, greedy, covetous, lustful, porn watching, tax dodging, racist, jealous, judgmental, lonely, angry people who eat too much, they spend too much, they drink too much, medicate too much, worry too much, smoke too much who gather together because they believe Jesus is the light of the world and they need more light. Did I leave anyone out? Uh, I hope this is uncomfortable this morning. But what do you call a group of people that would fall into this category? And I'd like to tell you that I see this as the church. Can we give that next slide? Next slide, please. There we go. There we go. 
at this group. This is a group of people that um, have that are tempted, that face challenges, that are, are disagreeable, that uh, are imperfect, that but yet they found Jesus, and they they walked through this life, and so we we gather this this group of people together, and it's it's the people that. I hope we know that the, peop- the, the people are the church, not, not this building or if we were to relocate and go to any other building uh, or any buildings where people assemble today. It is a building. The church is actually the people that come together, people that come together with different struggles and different victories and different ideas. But this is the group that we see. And, and what it is is that we, we find that that this group that, that we call the church is that they agree on a couple of things. You see, they, they agree that, uh, that God sent his son into this world. We celebrate Christmas because God sent his son to forgive our sins. We agree on that. We may disagree on politics. We disagree uh, on a, a number of life issues. We can disagree even on theology, but we're going to agree as the church on, on a couple of things. And one is that God sent his son that we might have forgiveness of sins. And in that process, we much of the teachings to the church, the, the teachings that we find in scripture are to help us get over ourselves because we, we tend to be very selfish people. I'm selfish. I'm Believing that a lot of, that you sitting here are selfish as well. You like things your way. You like to be taken care of, and so we we tend to be selfish. And so a lot of things that we would agree on that yes, God and Scripture and becoming like Christ is that we be overcome ourselves. And then another thing that we would agree on is this thing called grace, because in order to have grace, uh, there has to be relationship uh, for grace to be fully grasped. For grace to be fully understood, if we can even, if we can even say that, is that we, there has to be a relationship. And there's a relationship where there is debt. There is, there, it, it is out of balance. And because it's out of balance, then grace has to be expressed and given. And that's what we find as, as God sent his son into this world. It is, it is an act of grace because God is, God is brokenhearted over our sin but brokenhearted to the point that, that he wants to do something about it. He wants to take action and he wants to express grace and give us the opportunity, extending his grace to us. This grace, it is the oil in the machine. I was describing yesterday to Kevin, I was trying to teach him about a motorcycle and how the motor works you know that you you start a motor and you let it warm up because the motor uh there's moving parts in there and those parts work together really well but but it requires a bit of oil and that oil needs to be under pressure and it needs to lubricate everything as it moves or else you would have a destruction Uh, those metal parts would destroy each other and that is much the way grace is in the world that we live in Without grace, then we, we could destroy each other. There would be such a battle. There would be such a, a, a let's take revenge. Let's, let's take action. Let's destroy. Let's not forgive. Let's not extend grace. But let's just go at it with each other. 
And grace is like that. It is the oil in the machine of this world. We have the opportunity to extend grace. We sing about it, that grace is God and sinner reconciled. This is what it is, that we, we are in debt. We have sinned, we have fallen short of the glory of God. And God in his mercy, he comes and he brings Jesus. That, that we might have and experience the perfect Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world and reconcile us to this holy God. Grace, it becomes amazing when it's extended to others. You see, this is where it begins to be totally unnatural. Because in our selfishness, we don't want to extend grace. If someone is in debt to us because they have wronged us, well, we don't want to extend grace. But because we have experienced grace, that often we do the unnatural. We become this, it is not natural, but yet we feel impressed that because we have experienced this amazing grace of God, that we have the opportunity then to be amazing. And we have the opportunity then to extend grace to those who hurt us in this life. And it becomes this unnatural event that is attractive. There's probably some of you sitting here today because you saw or you experienced firsthand grace, amazing grace, extended to you in relational form because you did not deserve it, you did not earn it. And yet it was expressed to you, or you saw it expressed, and it, it just blew your mind. And you go, what, what in the world is this thing called grace? How is this? I need this. It is amazing when extended to others. God's amazing grace to us is an invitation for us to be amazing, that we can participate in this, and we can be the agents that extend this grace to other people. It leads us to a question, and it leads us to Jesus. And I want to begin there today because it, this is an important part of the process. Is that You and I have to be able to come to the point where we can uh, have the opportunity to be amazing grace to, to others. And, and yet it requires us to ask a question. And Jesus, the master teacher, he asked an incredible question in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Let that question settle, settle upon you a moment today. It's a question that Jesus asked, and it is a question that is relevant to your day today. It is irrelevant to your, your last week, as you might reflect on the events of the week. And I would, I would give you a, a prediction of the future that this next week that you'll have an opportunity as well to answer this same question. The speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. And you pay no attention to the plank in your own. And you process that question. And I think we answer it in a number of ways. But we begin with this, that uh, <clears throat> it's not a speck of sawdust would be the answer. You see, it's, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what I have experienced. And so it's not a speck of sawdust. It is much more than that. And you, are, you don't know my story. You don't know what has been done to me. And so that is the reason that I need to address the speck in someone else's eye. 
Another answer would be perhaps that, well, I don't have a plank in my eye. But I sit here today and I, I don't have a plank, Pastor. I, uh, that's how I can address the speck in someone else's eye because I don't have a plank. I'm good. I've been walking with Jesus a long time. I've gotten this thing down pretty good. I know where I stand. I know what he's called me to do. And I, I have the ability to address the speck in someone else's eye. You see, we think that Jesus doesn't quite know exactly uh, what has happened to us. He doesn't know what our experiences are. And I want to list some of those for you. You see, we, we think about our upbringing, that perhaps that, that God doesn't know. You know we, the way that we were brought up, the, the obstacles that we had to overcome, the difficulties that we experienced because of our family of origin, the things that influenced us. That, that, <clears throat> that's why I don't have a plank and there is a speck in someone else's eye that I need to address. The environment that we uh, came out of, the environment, the difficulties that we had, the life experiences, the education or the lack thereof, the health challenges. You know, we had a, we had a health challenge and it, it wasn't fair, it wasn't equal. The successes, you know, it's, it's, a lot of times it's difficult to, to uh, navigate even success, failures, insecurities, opportunities, IQ and EQ, these things. Jesus goes on in verse 4, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? See, Jesus goes right back at it. You need to consider this. That, is that you, there is a plank in your eye. There is something that you're unaware of. There is something that you do not acknowledge. And you would be surprised to know, but you need to take a hard look in the mirror at yourself. And Jesus goes on. He says, you hypocrite, in verse 5. You hypocrite. See, of all the people that Jesus addressed and the ones that he had the most problem with were, were those uh, that uh, appeared to be religious. But they had it all together. They operated this, this thing, the religion of the day, and they operated it without grace. And that's the way that they, they dealt with people. And those are the ones that Jesus had the least uh, compassion for. And he addressed them harshly at times. He said, you hypocrite, you sinner, you fall shorter, you did it on purpose or over and over, you hypocrite. There was a plank in your eye and you need to address that before you think about addressing the speck in someone else's. I realize that some of us are visual learners and popped up on Facebook in the last week a really great graphic of giving us... Uh, you don't have the graphic? Okay. Sorry about that. I'll describe it to you. It is someone with a giant plank in their eyeball. And they're trying, the plank is in their eyeball and they're trying to pull the speck out of someone else's. That's the, that's the idea. And I thought perhaps, you know, some of us need a little visual sometimes. But let's revisit that list for a moment. Our upbringing.
we have a list? When we look at our upbringing, how we were, how we were thought of, how we were addressed, how we were spoken to and spoken over, the environment that we had, the experiences. I thought of a, in looking at that, very easy to look at my own upbringing, what was spoken over me, the challenges that I had. I know what it is for my wife's upbringing. I met her when she was a teenager. And I know what those challenges are and were. But I don't know all of yours. But sometimes we can be a bit blind to our own faults and our our own degree of need of grace and perhaps the, the plank that sets in us. I thought of an Old Testament character. I'm not going to read all of this, but you can make a note and look back. And look, look at the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 37. And he, he is the special one of his brothers. So special that his dad just made it known. You know, he, this is the special one and, and here's a special robe for him to wear. And he was told how, how good he was. And so he, he did. He, he, he would share with his family and with his brothers the, the dreams he was having. And it was, it was always dreams that elevated him and, and, um, and put him over everybody else. But I thought about that for a moment because... When that's what's spoken over us, and that could even tie into success and how good we are, and we begin to perceive that because of um, what is spoken over us, we can become so confident in ourselves and how good we are, and we're the best, we're the fastest, we're the the most intelligent, we're the smartest, we're the, we look the best, and we can begin to believe that we we are so special. And that's what I remember when thinking of Joseph that. He, he sees himself as so special. And you may have those folks in your life right now, or it could even be you. But I would fall in line. I'm thinking if I were uh, one of Joseph's brothers, how annoying that would be to have your brother always telling you how good he is and how he should be elevated and, and how special he is. And he's got, he's got the special clothes that I don't have. I mean, that would really kind of get to you after a while. We could be that in someone else's life even. That we're blind to it. It's a plank. But we could so easily go about trying to address what's wrong with everybody else because we see ourselves as in such good standing. So special. You flash forward a few chapters and you'll see after Joseph uh, ends up experiencing a little bit more of life. And things don't go so well. And he's reconfronted with his brothers. And he, the scripture tells us that he wept loudly. And as I take all this into account and look at life and look at grace and look at truth and how life can do that to us a little bit. That we go from a place of being confident, maybe being even overconfident and and who we are and what our abilities are. And life has a way of adjusting things and bringing about a, a bit of humility. 
to the point that we, we are in a position where we maybe even have influence over others. And yet God has done a work in us and we see things a little bit differently to the point that we even perhaps weep loudly. I think it's easy for followers of Christ, myself even, we can kind of get in a routine. We, we've, we've gathered knowledge. We know so much. We can become so sure of ourselves and sure of our influence and sure of what we are about in this life that we could perhaps, and I believe I, I could perhaps even be annoying to someone else. See, I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to influence others. I'm thinking I'm going to lead them to Christ. I'm thinking I'm going to model what it is to follow Jesus. And, and yet I take careful record of my words and my actions. And I think, wow, I, I hope I did not come across as arrogant and overconfident. But in, as really as one that is so desperately in need of grace myself. Life is just not that easy. There is no point to where you reach and you say, "This I have it all together. And I, <clears throat> I'm like Christ now. No, I'm becoming like Christ. I share these lists with you because I hope that in, in all of this, that from the opening list of all those things that could stu- cause us to stumble, that could cause us to sin, that could be a struggle in our life even now, and then to look at a list like this to say, you know, th- this, is, this is what has perhaps influenced where we are and, and how we see ourselves. I love the words of Paul. He, he writes for us in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. God demonstrates. God didn't just write about, God didn't send a message or a or a cloud in the sky, but God took action. God demonstrated His own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Paul's writing this from a perspective as someone who was alive and walking and living and sinning while Christ is walking this earth and going to the cross. That Paul was see himself, I, I'm alive and I'm sinning and I'm, I'm, a, I'm apart from God. And yet, while I'm in that condition, God sends Jesus into this world because he loved us. And he sends Christ to die for us. If I were writing it myself, I might could take it a step further and But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that knowing ahead of time the sins we would commit and confess and repeat and confess again that Christ died for us anyway. In spite of how I'm going to live, in spite of how I'm going to fail, in spite of how I'm going to need the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of the Lord again and again and again, and yet Christ died for me and he died for you. And I find in that, I find in that humility, 
God, thank you for having mercy on me. Thank you that, that you know I don't have it all together yet. That in spite of a plank potentially in me or potentially in any one of us, that Christ, you died for us. Jesus goes on in verse 5. First take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, planks get in the way of grace. When I ask these questions this morning, my hope is, my hope, my prayer is that, that we're all awakened to the possibility that there might be a plank in your own eye this morning. And we ask the question again, got planks? Do you have planks? Is there something in you that needs to be addressed? Because here's the way it is. The, the, the more aware I am of what God has yet to do in me, the less aware I am of what he has yet to do in you. If you have one takeaway today, I hope it is this. This is what you need to etch in your memory, record in your journal, reflect on daily. We need awareness. I've got to be aware that God has yet to do so much in me. I've got to be so concerned about me. I don't want a plank in me. But it's going to bring, it's going to bring a, a, a halt. It's going to bring a great caution. Before I'm ever going to address something, a speck that is in your eye, I need to be really hard looking at me. And I look at that. And I, you know, I've been able to ponder this for a few weeks and, and look at it in, in, in my daily walk, my daily challenges, my daily temptations, my daily struggles, and to look in the mirror and say, God, you're still working on me. And so I share this with you. I share this word with you this morning just out of love. Because I, I, I look at this and I look at this for me and I want to look at this, I want you to look at this fresh for you. That we be careful, church. Be cautious, church. Be a church that, that just would drip with grace. What, what about a church like that? A church that... It is not judgmental, but is just walking in grace. And God, I need more of you today. I need more of your help today. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me today. Fill me and lead me today. Let you be the expression of where I go and what I say. I want to be so careful that I'm, I'm not badgering you. I'm not belittling you. I'm not telling you what you need to do in your life. Because I know that I need so much of, of God's help in my own life. What about that approach? What would that look like? Jesus was full of grace and truth. What are you full of? As you're shaken in this life, what are you full of? When the pressures of life come, when the difficult conversations come, what are you full of? When someone wrongs you, what are you full of? What, what's going to come to the surface? What's going to be demonstrated? What's going to be acted out? Are you full of grace? 
and full of truth. Collectively, what are we full of? Access church. Because the church is most appealing when grace is most apparent. Woo! <laughs> See, this is what, again, is unnatural. This is what separates you know, people look at the world and they say, wow, what a bunch of hypocrites. The way they live, and yet they want to address everything in me. Now look at what I have to work with and my circles of influence. I can look at my world now. I mean, in my family of origin, that could even be listening online today or next week. In my family, I don't want them to look at me. Those, those that don't walk with God today, I don't want them to look at me and, and think, oh, he's a hypocrite. No, I've got I've to muster up, and especially at Christmas, and, and muster up and, and communicate with and, and allow technology to help me and be that brother, to be that uncle, to be that nephew, the one that has the grace of God to be able to demonstrate to others what God has done in me because I have the hope of glory, and I want to express that to other people. I want that to be contagious to other people. I want Access Church to be that church, that church of reputation. That is a church where there is grace extended there. I can go there as I am. I may not be walking with God right now. and Maybe I've got questions right now. Maybe I've done terrible things and yet I can come into that environment because they will receive me the way that I am. And they will share with me the love of God and the condition that I am. And they will love me where, I am, where I'm at. My life is a mess, and yet they will love me just the same. <laughs> what about a church like that, people? What about a church that operates in grace? As a, that's what they're known for. Yes, they speak truth. Yes, they point people to Christ, but yet they do so in a way that is loving and graceful and not religious and not hypocritical. That they would never express and address a speck in someone else's eye without first looking hard at themselves. This Christmas, <laughs> the beauty of Christmas is that God loved us so much that he sent his son into this world, that we might have forgiveness of sin, that we might have relationship with God in this life and for all of eternity. That's precious. God, knowing me, knowing how I would live, knowing the mistakes I would make, and knowing even walking with him, that I, I, would, be, I would fail, that I would, I would not be perfect, and yet he, he comes and he has me on his mind, has you on his mind, and he, he brings Jesus into this world, into a world that's broken, into a world that's rebellious, and says, I extend you my grace. You can't get, you can't get here on your own. It is out of balance. You have fallen short of my glory, and yet I extend to you the love and the mercy that is only available through Jesus. This Christmas, we come together 
as friends and we come together as family and we have the opportunities to do something that's so unnatural, to do what, what is not expected. Because when we come together, there are situations where people have offended us, where people have done wrong and they don't, they don't, they don't deserve it. And yet you and I have the opportunity to be that agent of grace. God gives us the opportunity to partner with him and be a partner to do something that's so amazing <laughs> and extend the grace. Extend the grace. Oh. Pray with me. Father, I'm grateful today. We just thank you for Jesus today. God, that you would love us so much that you would send your only son into this world, knowing where it would go, knowing where it would end. That you would give us grace for the sake of relationship. Lord, I pray as your word has gone forth today that, God, you've given us something to chew on today. You've given some of us a wake-up call today. God, that we don't have it all together yet. That perhaps there's even a plank in our eye. And yet we want to worry about everybody else. God, I pray you deliver us from that today. That we not be a people that are known for their criticisms. Known for their hypocrisy. But God, a people, a church that is known. Because God, we are a people of grace. We are in desperate need of you. And you gave us exactly what, you need, what we needed. You gave us grace. You gave us mercy. You gave us your son. The holy lamb of God that came into this world this Christmas. I pray that you'd raise up change agents, God, as we go meet with friends and family tomorrow and this next week. God, give us an opportunity to be an expression of your amazing grace. Oh, we love you, Lord. Do your holy work among us today. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to invite us to move to a time of communion. Could we come and serve everyone, please, the, the bread and the juice today? And this is for all. If you are walking with, Je with Jesus, then please participate today. And if you'd like to walk with Jesus, you've heard something today. The Spirit of God has moved on your life today. Well, you can respond and say yes today. And a great way to do that is just to accept his offer. This, we're going to receive some elements in a moment that are the bread that represents his body that was broken and the juice that represents his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, yours, everything you've done, everything I've done. We can be forgiven. And so today, as we pass these elements, I want to ask you to go ahead and begin to pass those, please. 
would just hold these with you would hold hold the cup and hold the bread and take this time to just reflect these guys are going to sing and play behind me let this be a time of personal reflection we're going to give them a moment a few minutes to distribute these elements and a few minutes for you to reflect on where you are in relationship with God and we'll come back together again to pray and receive these elements we sing with these guys as we do in Jesus name